okay everyone just to let you know that we do have some sound issues at the first 30 minutes of this podcast episode uh, it does improve around the 30 35 minute mark so please stick with it as it's an awesome episode with my guest Rebecca Edmonds so apologies for that we move Hello and welcome to Fats on Film. I am your host Hannah Ogilvie and this is a podcast where we discuss all things fat representation in film, TV and wider media. This week my guest is anti-diet coach and content creator Rebecca Edmonds. Hello Rebecca! Hi! I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm I'm so happy that you agreed to come on. I feel very honored to have you. I was just saying before we hit record listeners that I have been following Recovery Rebecca for so long and I'm just so excited to have you on the pod and all of your wisdom and knowledge that we can just like bask in. Ah, no, makes my heart so warm to hear that. I um the Recovery Rebecca is definitely definitely like a project of love for sure. Uh-huh. Um uh-huh. and it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And it's been so amazing. I, I love that. And, and so how did you get started on your channel? So I originally started um, Recovery Rebecca. It was completely private. It was actually just a account I had with my therapist for my own like eating disorder recovery journey. So it was kind of like a way for her to keep... Um, not necessarily like keep tabs, but more so just for me to keep her updated on like kind of like how I was feeling, kind of like an uh, an open journal almost. And then I, once I started like getting more into intuitive eating and that kind of stuff, I was like, well, maybe I could actually like, you know, create content. And then I decided to make it a public account. And now it is what it is. <laughs> what an interesting, like, situation to like create an Instagram account just for you and your therapist I guess like to share you know I I I can imagine maybe like even shared memes that like resonated with you like oh this this is something I was thinking today therapist yeah no literally what yeah what a unique experience and like in the fact that that's now grown into something I mean to share my own story like I found in my recovery I felt so isolated right so I remember thinking like I was the only one who had the thoughts I thought and then it does take you know this is this is some of the the greatness that social media brings it it it, you know you find accounts that actually resonate with you and you go oh I'm not on my own and I know for my own goals with what I'm creating and I and I believe your goals just from what I've read, read of your work is about building that community you know it's building that idea that you're not on your own you've got friends you're you know you're not beyond saving yes yeah no exactly because like eating disorders and diet culture are very like you said very isolating like that's just part of the 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 deal is that it wants to keep us like away from ourselves not want people to see what we're eating or what our bodies look like or stuff like that and building that kind of community where it feels okay to like be seen and take up space and to talk about like how you're struggling and like what you're struggling with is really important and is honestly was a, a game changer for me in my own recovery yeah definitely definitely um well I'm so honored to have you on the podcast and again like listen just want to hear your point of view on things I think it's fascinating I think it's well worth broadcasting and everyone listening to it because we all need to like stand and fight against diet culture because it is yeah. I've said it before and I'll say it until I die it is insidious yep and we need to get I don't know we need to wise up a bit with it um so I know through your work you're doing that and I do my little part with my fashion (laughs) 
I actually, this is going to sound hopefully not as creepy as I think it's going to sound in my head, but I was looking through all of your like TikTok reels the other day and I was like, I'm so obsessed. I love your hair, by the way. Um, Thank you. I mean, I have literally just got it cut. Um, I don't know if you can see. I literally got it cut yesterday, and I've I've been saying because because I've dyed it so much that that like I don't know how many maybe a five inches or something I've cut off. Um, it was just dead. It was fried, you yeah. know. And I was like, right, I'm getting married next year. I want to have long, luscious hair for the wedding. Yeah. Let's just cut it off. But I am having like a bit of an identity crisis today because I'm just like, oh my god, it's so short. It's so short. I've not had it this short in ages. But I don't know if you know um the content creators Abby Bible and Hintzy. Yes. Yes. I feel I'm giving very much those gals. <laughs> I'm like part of the Bob community. Yeah, and that's what like honestly I would give that too. Like, no, but I love I love the short hair. I think it's a look. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I actually needed that because I'm I am scared. <laughs> I'm scared of the reaction. Because I know people love the long hair. So um anyway, let's get off the hair. Let's talk about why we're here today. And that is to, to talk about the sisterhood of the traveling pants, a 2005 American comedy drama film directed by Ken Quapis. And Ken Quapis, I know him because he directed quite a lot of the episodes of the office US. Oh. Um, so he's, he's like a bit of a sitcom guy. He also did, Oh, I, I did read this. Oh, I think it's, he did. He's just not that into you. Um, so he's that kind of a guy. Yes. Um, from a screenplay by Delia Efron, Nora Efron's sister, and she also wrote You've Got Mail. So, you know, if you like a rom-com, that's like a classic rom-com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, based on the 2001 novel of the same name by Anna Brashares, and it stars America Ferreira, Amber Tamblin, Blake Lively, and Alexis Bledel. It was released in the US on June 1st, 2005 by Warner Brothers Pictures. And there was a sequel. And Rebecca, I had no idea there was a sequel until I read that there was a sequel. <laughs> and I was like, there, that missed me. Obviously, I'd aged out by this point or I missed it. <laughs> um, and that was released in August 2008. And there is a third film in development and a musical adaptation is is also in development based on the first film and it made 42 million dollars which is probably on the lower end of the films we discussed in this podcast but what i i definitely didn't see this in cinema i don't did you see this in the cinema no i remember this definitely was something i was watching on like my little dvd player on my little tv yes yeah, I agree. I remember really like renting this out, like going to like, I mean, it wasn't Blockbuster, but like your Blockbuster like, you know, store and renting it for the weekend. I definitely didn't go to the cinema and I don't even remember like it being on the TV. I just rented it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it ever being on, um, I don't ever remember seeing it on TV and I know I didn't see it in the cinema either but yeah it was definitely one of those I'm pretty sure I just had like the DVD that I had gotten as a gift sometime and I just kept watching it was like just permanently in my DVD player yeah oh my god I, I want to get into that but before we do that Rebecca can you let me and the listeners know what is the sisterhood of the traveling pants all about the four friends is Bridget Carmen Lena and Tibby and their best friends living in Maryland um after many summers together the four are finally going to be apart for a few months Bridget's going to Mexico, Lena's going to Greece, Carmen is visiting her dad, and all the while, Tibby stays at home to work at a superstore. No matter where they are, they're connected by a mysterious pair of jeans that they found at a thrift shop. They share the pants over the summer, and these pants fit all four girls and exemplify their tight bond. 
Yes, that is. <laughs> I love it. I love this idea because I when I first well I watched this for the podcast I was so shocked at how quickly they introduced the pants. It was like <laughs> right, we got these four friends. They're all weird. They're all different, but they love each other. And then all of a sudden, they have these pants. They have these trousers that fit them. And I was like, "Oh, we're straight in. We're not messing about film." <laughs> so, Rebecca, why did you pick this film to cover on the podcast? When I was going through the list of content, there's so many good movies on there to pick from, and there's so many good movies to just like discuss in this light in general. Um, but I kept coming back to Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants when I was scrolling through the list and I was like, I feel like this is the one. And then, um, mainly because it was a movie that I watched religiously as a child, like on my DVD player, I remember having the little, um, like the paperback book that I'd gotten at maybe like a Walmart, which is like equivalent yeah. to the Wallman's in the book. And, yes. and it's just, it was just such a, a movie that I also hadn't watched in a while like probably mm. haven't seen since I was a teenager and I was just excited to rewatch it in kind of this new lens that I have anyway I'm just like how I see life very differently from how I did when I was mm. a teenager or when I was like 10 when I was probably watching this yeah. so um, yeah I just felt like it would be really fun to explore yeah and and I'm um, you emailed me to say that you were watching it with some girlfriends yes and how was that experience? So fun. It was very, like, um, it was. It actually ended up just being me and one of my other friends. But still, we, like, had so much fun watching it because it was just, like, it, it's one of those, it's like, I know they describe it as a coming-of-age film. And it's, yeah. and those are, that has just always kind of been my genre. Always the genre mm. that I just attract to, like, any kind of, like, <laughs> high school drama. I'm just, like, I'm there and yeah I just felt like it would be fun to explore and so you mentioned how you when you were younger like you know you watch this a lot I, I definitely watch this a lot as well when you were watching it this time could you remember those kind of thoughts and feelings you had when you watched it when you were younger like what did 10 year old Rebecca think yes definitely especially so I related to Carmen's character so much as a child uh-huh yeah it was definitely the character that probably one of the first characters in a film in a movie that I ever really connected with both mm. on the fact that she was like kind of like the fat friend it kind of goes mm. unsaid but it doesn't go unsaid at the same time mm. and then her relationship with her dad is very similar to the relationship I have with my own father hey. and so I kind of took from both it just kind of felt I just felt so seen by the character mm. yeah uh that is so important and it's funny because I've had a few um, podcast episodes now where uh, we've, you know, obviously talking about a plus size character um, in, 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 in the film or in the TV. And my guest has always been able to go, oh, I really related to that person. And I've really struggled with that because I think when I was younger, I really struggled to admit to myself that I was a bigger kid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I never found that. I don't know, uh, relationship with those characters, but obviously look, watching it now, I'm going, oh my God, why didn't I relate more to Carmen? You know, and, and the thing is, I think Carmen is my favorite character and I want to get into America Ferrera's performance because I truly think she's brilliant. I think they're all brilliant in this film. Like they, they're all brilliant, but she is so good. She is so good in her performance. Um, and I think she is my favourite of, of the four. I think it's a really interesting storyline she gets. Um, but yeah, I think coming back to it now, I don't know. 
it must be at least 15 years since I've seen it, right? And uh, I completely forgot like half of it. I could remember, <laughs> I remember Carmen, I remember the whole thing with her dad, but I forgot that he was getting remarried. And, and then I remember Blake Lively going to Mexico and having this really odd affair that I want to get into. Yeah, I remember Blake Lively's weird relationship with the football coach. Um, I totally forgot about Lena going to Greece. I like, completely forgot, like left my brain. Um, and I remember Tibby's relationship with the dying child. And I always remember finding that really upsetting. So I was really curious to see how I'd react this time around, being a little bit more older, a bit more wise, a bit more mature. And we'll get into our emotions <laughs> in a bit because I was still very shocked how <laughs> much I reacted. Um, but let, let's talk about kind of like Carmen and probably the reason we are covering this podcast and covering this film on fats on film so carmen is our token curvy character of the group um her size and body is actually a real major plot line for her more so than i remembered when from when i was younger mm-hmm. um so like how how do you feel the film handles this and i'm going to put in air quotes this plus size representation Yes, I, I like the air quotes of plus size representation mm. because I remember um, as a kid, like she was like the fat character, like uh-huh. in the movie. And then now looking at it, I'm like, she's just like maybe a size Please. six among size twos, <laughs> you know? I, literally, literally shocking, isn't it? It's shocking. Yeah. yeah that we just thought that she was just like oh like so much bigger than the other ones and then the the moment where like they are all trying on the pants yeah Mm -hmm. and there's that moment of just like surprise that she like can fit into the pants that fits all of them (laughs) she literally goes how are those jeans gonna fit and she slaps her body all of this and yeah. I remember that from the trailer Rebecca I remember that being like in like in blazing my brain and then um and then she goes will you help me get out of them because she's just so like convinced they're never gonna fit and it's in this scene where like um Bridget has like taken off the jeans like just in the middle of the shop by the way just like in the middle yeah. of the shop she's now in her like knickers yeah. and then and <laughs> so weird and then um Carmen goes for the moment exactly you know just in the middle of the shop and I, I don't know if there's like a chuckle from one of the other girls um but she replies my thighs like that yeah. and I was like baby which thighs are the thighs literally, in the room with us literally <laughs> where are they where are them. they yeah. no I thought I wrote down the exact same thing I was like she's yeah. talking about how like how self-degrading she is as the fat character and like it almost feels like she's supposed to be like she's supposed to be like not want to be seen or like not wanting like her friends to see her thighs or whatever and it's it's just so it's so interesting to me thinking about like how I was as like a younger fat person and how I also mm-hmm. had that kind of like self-degradation like idea because it's what we see in media a hundred percent a hundred percent something I see a lot in in you know especially like teen teen films is the you know shopping mall experience going to the mall with your friends and trying on clothes um and I re I hated 
I love I loved being with my friends, obviously, but I hated going into the shops to try on stuff because I just knew it would never fit me. Yep. And so very similar to Carmen being like, you know, she obviously, you know, says it with a bit of a bit of a lilt. You know, she's like, you know, I'm I'm saying it so you don't have to. Exactly. Yeah, and I, 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 again, now 31-year-old Hannah, I really relate to that because I was doing that when I was 14, 15, 16, just being like, oh, there's no point in me trying that on because it's never going to fit me. You know, yeah. I'd walk into, so I grew up in Spain and Zara was a really big thing in Spain before it became a bit more um, globalized. And uh, Zara was like always the cool ghetto place to go when I was younger. But <laughs> their sizing back then, and we're talking like 15 years ago, was small. And I, 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 I wished and willed for something to fit me in that shop, and I knew it never, it never did, and never, ever, ever did. And to see Carmen, you know, go to the thrift shop, she's like, "Oh no, I'm not even going to try these on. I'm not even going to try these on because you know, I'll, um, you'll have to cut, cut them off of me, you know, like that kind of a yeah. thing." I was like, "Oh, baby, I, I get that. I was, I did that. I did yeah. that." Yeah, and I think that is a almost universal experience for like people who have grown up like being a fat teenager or a fat like like middle schooler because so many people I have talked to like through coaching or through just talking to them on Instagram they're like Mm. this kind of shopping experience is very common that they one time joking with someone about it like just in a funny way they were saying like yeah we my friends would just all be in the back, you know, shopping. And I just spend like an hour just looking at like accessories or like sunglasses. Oh, oh my God. Absolutely. That, that hurts actually hearing them like, oh yeah, no babe, I was there. I was by the shoes, you know? Yep. Like I could literally <laughs> all of the necklaces that are in this store because that's how uh-huh. long I've been looking at them. And then, yes. and it's, it's so, it's so weird that that is like the case. And then it is also very interesting to me and this is probably just a me thing, maybe, but um, watching Carmen and them try on the jeans, I'm like, I, one of my worst fears is like thrift store jeans, not because of the, they're from the thrift store, but because they're probably not stretchy at all. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was just like, I would be so scared to try those jeans on as Carmen. And I feel like that fear like showed through for her. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But again, she's just laughing it off, you know? Right. Like, uh, like, you know, and, but then they do fit and like, they look amazing. And that's the whole thing, right? They all, they all look fantastic in these jeans. And then they go and they do this, like they, they sneak into like the studio that their parents met when they were pregnant with them. And they just so happen to have these embezzled, like, um, uh, candles these emblazoned <laughs> candles and then they like do like some kind of witchy thing and I was like oh this is a bit witchy though like yes. I was like <laughs> you know seance like I, I yeah. was I was kind of taken by the candles too I was like did they do this before like have they always had yeah. these candles <laughs> yeah I was like this is definitely something they have done before like they've obviously yeah. broken into this place before and they've you know come together for whatever reason but this is like the first time we see it as the audience and they've got like this magical pair of jeans you know so it needs it we need to light these candles and say thank you to whoever whoever it was that gave us these jeans really interesting but they have they have the they want to like you know create a charter like some rules and one of these rules is you cannot call yourself fat while wearing the pants that's so that's Bridget says that to Carmen like looks at Carmen to be like babe I know that's you and Carmen goes oh that hurts that hurts like and and then she goes you can't even think it yep what like did you have friends when you were growing up who who always like 
I understand where Bridget's coming from. She's obviously, not, you know, being like, stop, yeah. like, self-degrading yourself. You fit in these jeans. We all fit in these jeans. Therefore, you cannot be fat. But did you have friends like that who always tried to, like, um, lift you up, even though... Not, I don't want to say they're trying to minimise issues because I don't think that's what Bridget's doing. She's trying to lift her up. But I, at the same time, I understand why Carmen feels the way Carmen does and that yeah. shouldn't be minimised either. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I yeah. I think it's one of those things where, like, it's kind of similar to the um, you're not fat, you're beautiful type of idea. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I, that was definitely something I experienced as, like, growing mm. up or, like, you have such a pretty face and then oh. like that being like the end of it and then but <laughs> but yeah I think she um because I, I wrote down that moment too because it's interesting that like fat here like however they're referencing it fat is a negative thing like you don't want yes. to be fat 100 um, percent. but it's not that they like don't acknowledge that she's bigger than them but it's also like it, 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 I feel like it ultimately comes down to that like she's you're pretty you're beautiful you're but you're not fat but it's mm. not like you're beautiful and fat it's like mm-hmm. you can be both but at yeah. this time and in time in life it was like no <laughs> yeah absolutely no that's not, we absolutely did not have that very positive message in in these things like fat was always seen as a very derogatory word and, and to some people it still is mm-hmm. and you know I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna sit here and be like oh you know you need to you know get over it like yeah. ultimately it's, you need to like journey through that yourself and like take that power away from that word because like you know again I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't been called fat in a negative way of course I have of course I have but ultimately it's it's through my recovery I have found that that word um doesn't have the same power it once did yeah. and obviously intention is really important as well like Bridget would never have called Carmen just fat like negatively never yeah. because that's not the friendships that they have um but I also I don't know like I really understood where Carmen was coming from because that was obviously a defense mechanism for her to like you know almost break break the tension like just call myself fat you know I'm in the thrift shop nothing's gonna fit me I'm just gonna say I'm too big for this you know I understand where she was coming from yeah and actually just to go back one step there's a moment where, like, I think they've had their kind of intro to everyone, like, where everyone is in their own lives, and you've got Carmen narrating over the top, and she says, so Carmen says, I wrote it down, da, 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 da. she goes, um, wild and uh, wild, unstoppable Bridget, shy and beautiful Lena, the rebel Tibby, and me, the writer Carmen. And I thought that was really interesting because with the other three, and I appreciate she's talking about herself, so it's a bit difficult, but the other three, she gives them like personality traits. And then for herself, she gives like a skill. Yeah. And I'm like, but what's your personality, Carmen? You know, you can, be, you can absolutely be a writer. Obviously, that's still a positive thing to be, of course. But it's very telling. She sees the other her friends as like personalities and and personas and humans but she herself could only give herself like a pat on the back for being like a good writer yeah and that's actually interesting it's something I remember that moment but I like the way that you brought that up because it made me think about how the um one how yes with Bridget like her intentions for sure like they are they mentioned later on that like you need to like love your friends and love yourself or something about mm. like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so that 
that spoke to me in the sense that like I know where her friends are coming from her friends love her they don't Mm -hmm. care what her body looks like but then it's also like is she so is Carmen like with when she talks about herself being the writer it is very interesting because it's almost much more likely to see like the beauty in other people than we are ourselves especially the people that Mm -hmm. we love and care about and Mm -hmm. I think that was very evident in that, like her talking about like, I'm, I'm a writer, doesn't really go into any kind of like physical description, any kind of like description of, like you said, personality or anything like that. It's just this kind of like skill. And it is interesting that it's, that she sees all these things in her friends, but not necessarily herself. Yeah. Exactly. And I get, you're totally right, actually. It, it's so much easier to compliment others than it is yourself. And especially going back to, you know, this is 2005, right? So this idea of body positivity, you know, self-love isn't as mainstream as it is today. So maybe, I don't know, if, if, if they are making a musical adaptation, as I read at the beginning of this film. So I wonder, like, a way to get around that and to make sure that everyone gets their kind of, like, uh, beautiful uh, summary of who they are. Um, they can have the other characters say it for each other because then it kind of takes away that like um, awkwardness when it comes to complimenting yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, so 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 Carmen, her storyline is that she's going to go to um, it's either North or South Carolina, right? You'll know because you're actually living yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, she's in South Carolina. I think she's in Charleston, but yes. Yeah, I, re- I remember watching the movie and when they're doing like the little drive through scene towards yes. the very end and they you yeah. see all like the signs I was like there's North Carolina and I was like that's me <laughs> that's you they drove by Rebecca's house like hey yes. got all the carry dog going <laughs> they did they stopped right by my house and I was like hey and then hey yeah. friends yeah <laughs> um so yeah she's going to South Carolina to meet her dad and her dad left at some point when she was younger um and it's but he's played by Bradley Whitford and I about lost my chair I was like ah, Bradley Whitford coming through I did not know, remember it was him and then I realized we have a bit of a handmaid's tale reunion because you've got Bradley Whitford and Alexis Bledel I was like whoa very different very different stories very different I I, very different. I thought about Alexis Bledel from um handmaid's tale as well when she when I first saw her on the screen I was like very different very different very different very different very different characters but yeah so Bradley Whitford is daddy and he drives her to his new house and she's very shocked she's like what this you never wanted to work living on development and we find out Carmen clearly idolizes her dad she remembers everything he's ever said to her ever and mm-hmm. oh god I just find it so awkward because she, he doesn't seem to reciprocate that same enthusiasm that she has and oh my it breaks my damn heart it breaks my heart okay. and she arrives and there's a woman <laughs> a woman just waving outside the house and turns out he's found himself a, a, a partner who has her own kids mm-hmm. and he is getting married at the end of the summer and Carmen will be a bridesmaid and oh my god like I mean obviously I know it's a film and I know it's for drama but truly what a dick move I I feel like every like child of a like of divorced parents that's like your worst nightmare is like Mm -hmm. your your other parent that you may that you don't live with um Mm -hmm. like getting married and just finding a whole new family and then it's just like who like who am I and I've definitely related to that in Mm -hmm. Carmen's character um 
but yeah, I, the fact that he doesn't even mention to her at all before they meet, I'm just like, you don't know your daughter, clearly, because, like, who would be okay with that? Literally, literally, and not even, like, not even as he's picked her up at the train station, he's waited until they've driven into, like, the cul-de-sac to be like, oh, by the way... Um, Lydia, is it Lydia is the stepmom, yeah, and, and the kids, and you're just like, and also I think it's really, really important to know, obviously Carmen being Latina, mm-hmm. and the new family is like fully white, and yeah. obviously that that's going to create a lot of tension, and 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 it's interesting how the film kind of shows that tension, but as uh, Lydia seems nice, but she's just you know, I don't know. She's not evil stepmother by any means, but she definitely does seem to be a bit self-serving. But they explain that away to be because she's planning the wedding. Oh, she's got the wedding. You know, she never had a wedding. She wants the wedding, blah, 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 blah. And I guess we're meant to be like, oh, but it is nice that she's going to be a bridesmaid. But Rebecca, you know, you mentioned that you you came from like divorced parents. You know, how would you feel being asked to be bridesmaid to a woman you've never met before? Once again, that kind of worst mentality type of thing comes in because I would have being the kind of like naturally like a little bit rebellious kind of person I am if someone tells me to do something I'm always just kind of like hmm and so they I just don't I would not have vibed well with that especially because Mm. I feel like her um, his new uh, fiance Lydia is very different from Carmen's mom and I think that kind of throws Carmen off a little bit too like the family is very different from Carmen and her mom and I think that would have been I mean we'll talk about that too about like the mm. the skin color aspect of how they don't yeah really address it which is kind of no. weird <laughs> it is weird because that's like the clearly like the big red flag and all this like anyway I've got I'm put a pin in that and we'll come <laughs> back to it uh dad realizes that he's been neglecting his daughter he's like let's go play tennis together and i love this first of all love carmen's tennis outfit how cute cute. was that adorable like she was wearing the tennis dress before we were before it was fashion oh is she the blueprint (laughs) honestly america Ferrera is the blueprint (laughs) yeah yeah, a hundred percent. She just look absolutely just so adorable, and I love this idea that we're seeing a curvier um, woman participating in sport. You know, yeah. again, we don't get to see that a lot. And you know, ugh, daddy like boys are off and is like, you know, I've got to go sort out about the wedding, but go play tennis with the stepson Paul, who doesn't speak. <laughs> and <laughs> and you know, you see, you see Carmen absolutely go hell for leather. She is angry she's taking out on this tennis ball she's taking out with stepbrother paul and i just again i love this scene as much as like it shows her anger and we understand why she's angry it was just really good to see this bigger character and i again i'm going to use air quotes there because bigger is subjective in this in this context but definitely bigger in the, in this in the scheme or the eyes of the film exercising being really skilled at a sport um enjoying it breaking a sweat like that that is positive representation in my eyes no for sure I actually started playing tennis in middle school because of this movie because I saw her play like I like tried out for the tennis team in seventh grade (laughs) oh my god that's incredible yeah it was definitely a kind of like I I definitely feel like at that time I felt seen by her like by a bigger person playing a sport and then I was like oh like I could totally do this 
And so, yeah. <laughs> yes. And you know what? This is what, this is why we talk about this. Representation matters. You need to see yourself doing these things to know that they're available to you. Yeah. And I'm so pleased to hear you took that away from this character. What an awesome thing to take away. Yeah. And I, I remember like, I remember thinking it was so cool that she was playing tennis. And I just felt like, I don't know if it was like the sport itself or what, but like, there was just something cool about it. And I was just like, mm. I want to do that. Like, I want to be cool yes. like she is. And yes. the fact that like, it felt like it was something that was attainable, like something that like I really could do and something that mm. I actually ended up doing. And I like played tennis through like half of high school and like, it was very mm. fun for me. And it, is definitely like one in part because of this love tennis carmen and we love the representation it brought to you which i am just i'm just so over the moon to hear it just make warms my heart then (laughs) we go into carmen trying on the bridesmaid's dress so this is a real like pivot moment in the film isn't it where she comes, so we see a uh, stepdaughter, whatever her name is. Uh, <laughs> she tries to look. Krista. Krista, oh, thank you so much, Krista. Um, she's on the dress and, you know, it looks, looks good on her. It fits. I guess that's the most important thing. It fits. And then Carmen comes out and, you know, there's that big like, whip back of the dressing room curtain and she proclaims she looks like a tramp. And the, the seamstress woman literally says, oh dear. I wrote down like the kind of like things that they said about about Carmen and about her in the dress. Uh-huh. And here here let me just list some of the ones I wrote down. So so the lady goes, We can let this way out. We need to let this way, way out. out. And then she says, Let's hope we can dig up some extra fabric. <laughs> um and then she's like, better off starting from scratch with this one. Mm-hmm. And then when, this is when Carmen has gone back to change, because mm-hmm. she's like, can I please, like, change out of this, mm-hmm. because I this I hate this. And they're talking about um, her kind of, like, behind her back a little mm-hmm. bit while she's changing, and they're talking about how, like, they want to really, like, cinch the dress yeah. in. And then her mom, the mom actually said, or Lydia actually says, will she look like Krista? Mm-hmm. And... And then the last thing they said is, um, we're just going to start over on the other ones. Oh, God. And I was just like, I would have, because she, after that, she kind of like blows up on them. And I would have too, because they are just dogging her, like, for no fault of her own. They make a comment that her dad, like, I'm sorry that her dad didn't know, like, would be so off on her size or something like that. And so, like, this is no fault of her own. Like, it's her dad not knowing what her size was. And then it just, I was like, I feel for her in that moment because they are just ripping her apart. It is awful. And I, I as I watched it again, uh, you know, I'm meant to be 15 years older than Carmen is in this scene. And my heart breaks for her. Because what a nasty situation. Like, we already know, judging by the thrift shop scene when they get the jeans, she's going to hate this. She's going to hate this process. And to make it such an uncomfortable... They go out of their way to make it uncomfortable for her, you know? know, Talking about her as if she's not there, as if she doesn't have ears. Like, just so awful. Um, And then, what I find interesting, though, is, you know, she comes like, I look like a tramp. I truly don't think she looks that bad. 
I didn't either. I thought she looked good. I mean, other than like the, there was like a little bit on the back, on the back. that wasn't zipped all the way a up. A little bit, but I was though. like, I was like, maybe there was like a little bit too much boobage for however she, however old she was. But I was like, she, that still looks good. Like, she looks cute. But I wondered where that, that phrase, um, I look like a tramp like comes from like does she mean like a little bit you know uh, you know revealing a, a bit too provocative for a you know a girl of her age I, and I guess mm-hmm. you know I mean you'll tell me like what South Carolina like is it quite a conservative area would that you know would want to be like covered up if you were especially for like a 16 year old girl I would say yes South Carolina is in that in that point in time definitely I mean even still today it's a very conservative um place to be um the only thing that like comes up for me about like being covered up is like this is the summer and South Carolina is hot like it is very hot outside so like the the idea of like covering up like I just remember being one of those kids that would always be wearing a cardigan no matter like what the degree it was outside oh yeah and I feel this in Carmen a little bit, like, even mm. though she's not, she's like, she she actively wears, like, the same kind of clothes that everybody else is wearing in the movie. Mm, yeah. But I get that kind of vibe in these um, shopping scenes that, like, she would much rather, like, the focus not be on her, not on her body, and, like, yes. want to be covered up in that way. Definitely, definitely. And like you say, Carmen blows up. Carmen, you know, she says that she's, you know, you hadn't considered that Carmen's Puerto Rican and she might be built differently. And unlike you and your daughter, she has an ass! (laughs) (laughs) That was like the one part of the movie that I remember like Mm. forever all the way through was her telling them that she has an ass. (laughs) She has an ass. And then she grabs her stuff and she runs. I literally wrote in my notes, run, babe, run away like you do literally without her shoes no but like you should have got the time like just get the hell out of there because it is so like it's so this is like really insidious because no one outwardly is saying what they want to say and it's behind all these pleasantries and smiles and you know you've definitely been in situations i know i've been in a situation where you know you know I loved your phrase, someone's dogging you, but in a way that isn't explicit. And you know, if you, if you call out, you look like the sensitive one. Yeah. You look like you're overreacting or like reading too much into it. But it's like, you can tell when someone is like, well, I I feel like in this situation too, Mm -hmm. like the fact that they have to like make a brand new dress and they're like kind of making a big deal out of it. Like that would make me feel bad. Like, as like, it's like, it's like, oh, I'm just like making this harder for everybody else. Yeah. On top of the fact that like, I'm bigger. So they've got to make a bigger dress. Yeah. It's just, it is, I felt so frustrated for her in that moment because they don't even seem to like acknowledge that like this could have some type of impact on her like how they're talking it's like basically she's just an object up there uh-huh. wearing a dress <laughs> 100% and then that is solidified when Carmen finally makes her way back to her dad's and there's like lights off and she's like oh they're probably out looking for me oh god bless her and she goes around the back and she realizes they're just sat down having dinner happy family. I remember families. that part as a child and I remember being like heartbroken in that moment because they don't even they don't even know where she is Uh not even looking for her it's like he it's like her dad has just completely moved on yes and like she's not from there she might she doesn't know where she's going why are they not concerned where their child is 
I know, I'm like, she just took a cab home. Yes. I was like, I would not want just a cab. They're like, she's like 16 or 17, and she's just like running around. Yeah, she's like from, not even from here. And I'm just like, why are they just sitting there having a nice dinner? <laughs> Their daughter is just out running around. Literally. And I, I, it was just the, it's just the audacity of like how clearly their lives would be quote unquote easier without Carmen in it. She, she's a reminder of dad's previous family and he hasn't got time for previous family because he's got new family now and you know she comes around oh my god and she like throws a brick at the window and i'm like all power to you all power to you i do not condone violence but i get it get it do it and then she she runs back home and uh well she gets back home and her mum in this situation she's like i told you this would happen it's like babe that's not helpful is it and I'm like, you can think that, but you don't need to tell her that. Like, you do not need to. No. She's like, and she says at one point, like, I hate to be like, I told you so. And then yeah. Carmen's like, then don't. Then don't. Please, babe. No. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that's, that, yeah. Literally. And then, but then Tibby um, and Carmen, they have a bit of a tiff, uh, you know, as friends do. Um, they're actually both right in this situation, I think. Like, you know, Carmen's 100% right for being angry and Tibby's 100% right for grieving. Like, it, it, it just, it's just one of those things where they can't communicate because they're both so wrapped up in their own emotions. But exactly. they're lifelong friends. They're going to get through it. And Tibby finally encourages Carmen to pick up the phone and tell her dad that she's angry. And there's that, re- I, 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 I neglected to write down the exact line that Tibby says, but she, you know, Carmen says, I'm angry at you. Why do I have no problem saying I'm angry at you, but I can't tell my dad that. And Tibby says, is it because you know, I'll love you regardless. Yes. And it's yes. that moment Carmen goes, realizes that she finds the love from her dad is subjective of whether or not she toes the line of whether or not she's yeah. the perfect daughter. Oh, breaks my heart. I know. I actually teared up at this part because her, like, I I don't know. It's like having that conversation with your parent and oh. being that vulnerable to talk to them, like, so real, like, is something that I've, like, have an experience with my own dad. Mm-hmm. And some, so I, like, feel for her so much in that moment. And mm-hmm. then I also feel for Tibby, too, because it's one yeah. of those things where they, they're both going through they're go- both going through it yeah, and they mainly and it's like two really big things and they like you were saying they don't know how to communicate it mm-hmm. because they're going through like it's just so emotional on both ends mm-hmm. and and then when she's talking to her dad and he's I, I think the the last part of the conversation mm-hmm. is like he's telling her that she that he's like sorry for you know like and she's like well sometimes like sorry is not good enough yeah yeah that 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 scene when Carmen rings her dad and you know this back and forth and then she says why does Paul get to visit his alcoholic dad once a month but you visit me twice a year you seem so happy to be Paul and Krista's dad but have no time to be mine Rebecca absolutely tears I was bawling my eyes out no same and I think um America Ferrer's oh, performance yes. there is so it's so raw and so real. Like yeah. it just feels like I feel her pain yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's something that like I relate to, like I've mentioned, mm-hmm. but also just like seeing someone have that conversation. And then kind of like you mentioned earlier where like 
she feels that her dad's love is basically con- like conditional. Mm-hmm. Like it's not this kind of unconditional love that she now realizes that she has from her friends because mm-hmm. her friends love her no matter what. Mm-hmm. But then it feels like her dad, like she is kind of on the back burner for her dad. Whereas he has this new family that see- is seemingly perfect. Mm. And I just, I feel for her so hard in that moment because it's, it's, I mean, it's tough to watch because it's very like, upsetting to see Mm -hmm. someone you know that especially like she's so young and like Mm -hmm. talking to an adult this way is very hard yeah and 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 also his reaction is to put his head in his hands and just say sorry like he he himself i don't know i don't know whether it's bradley whitford's performance or what i just didn't feel like he the fact that he didn't seem to understand the gravity of the situation until she says it and I know t- that was Tibby's point, like, you have to tell him. But at the same time, I'm like, how did you not know? She threw a brick at your window, man. She's clearly yeah, hurting. And the fact that she's the one who has to ring him. Why is he not ringing her? Yes, that that part is extremely frustrating. Because it's like, why, yeah, like, why does she have to go to him to the wedding? Again, again. And I know it's, my, and the thing is, that happy ending when she you know the friends take her to the to the wedding she puts on the jeans because the jeans are still magical and and you know he he sees her in the crowd and realizes they have to pause the ceremony to bring her up to be part of the family and i know it's meant to be seen as a happy ending and carmen is happy and smiley and i'm never gonna take that away from her but i was really like again with my adult head going he should have done so much more yes no she deserved she deserved like him to actively choose her in this situation which I know he kind of does by bringing her up with the family but it's Mm -hmm. it's not like he came and picked her up and was like I want you to be here literally I was about to say if we could rewrite the ending I would say he would rock up at the door and said I will not get married until you're by my side until you sign off on this marriage and that that would be a much more stronger message that he actually cares what his daughter thinks, you know, cares about being part of this family. And yeah, I just, I just, ugh, it's one of those things where like, okay, I know it's like an 18 year old film or like, or however old book, but I'd like to rewrite that ending, please. It just doesn't sit right with me. I agree. Um, but, but the next thing I want to talk about with Carmen specifically, and we mentioned it earlier, is see Carmen being Latina and the dad and then the stepfamily all being white is clearly something that other films would discuss. And you do have moments where um, you see that they've got a housekeeper yes. and, um, you know, she, she has like brown skin color, obviously like, um, I guess it's insane that she is also Latina, even though you can't really yeah. see her. And Carmen feels um, like she can't ask, you know, potentially a fellow Latina person to tidy up after herself. And she's like, well, I'll just do it myself. It's no problem. And the fact that Lydia, the stepmom, is seems really, um, she doesn't recognize this nuance. You know, she's like, don't worry. Like, you know, sh- she'll just do it for you. And, you know, Karma's like, no, 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 I will clean my own sheets. It's not a problem. But that's the only, and then again, you have the whole, like, you know, you didn't think that Karma, um, Karma would be Puerto Rican and she has an ass. But that's really it in terms of when they're talking about kind of race and skin color in the context of this, because I feel the film, instead of communicating the skin color difference, they communicate they communicate the difference through body type. Yes, and I think that's so. It is very interesting because I feel like there's not many 
I can't think right now of any other kind of examples where that's the case. Yeah. And it is very interesting. The I wrote down the part about their um, the housekeeper bit because I mm. she it's almost that they'd like Lydia doesn't understand that nuance, like you said, but it's mm. almost as if she gets insulted by um, Carmen because Carmen yeah. makes a comment. She's like, uh, "People wash their own sheets all the time." Yeah, and it was almost like that's what that's what Lydia took from it. Like, it was like, oh, like, Mm -hmm. she doesn't like me because I don't, like, because we have a housekeeper. Not because, like, it's awkward for Carmen because the housekeeper may also be Latina. And it's like, it's like she doesn't understand that kind of, the, like, the kind of issue that Carmen is experiencing, Mm -hmm. Lydia doesn't understand. And it's like, today, if this movie had been made, I feel like that would definitely be like a very active part of the conversation because it yes. should be <laughs> it should be it, it should be more explicit and you're totally right i think like from a lydia point of view i think she thinks that carmen's turning down her hospitality yeah. whereas it's it's so much more nuanced than that and then again you have carmen coming down one morning speaking spanish um because her dad speaks spanish but yet we never hear him speak Spanish. Um, and, you know, she's just like, that's my culture. And it, it does feel like the dad side of the family is really trying to whitewash Carmen. Yeah. Um, you know, even that, you know, he now goes to church and I'm assuming it's a white church. And, you know, she says to her mom, we tried to, so many times to come to church on a Sunday, but he refused. Like, who is this man? Yeah. And it really does feel racist, that he has traded in his Latina brown family for this white picket fence, literally white family. Yeah, this like perfect looking like evangelical family. <laughs> like they just look like what you would picture. Like you hear an evangelical white family and like you see these people. It's I like mean, the like, perfect nuclear family too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and like you know, like he um the 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 boy, uh, Paul, he's like, you know, a sports star for something, you know, they say like, oh, you're, you're like the golden boy's dad, you hear all that, um, and then, um, so, but it's also like he's traded in his daughter, his curvier daughter for like a straight sized daughter, Mm -hmm. so, and I think, like, I think the film, instead of tackling the straight up, you know, skin color difference between the two sides they're more tackling the body structure difference of the two sides and like you said mentioned earlier i don't know if i've heard that or seen that in a film before or at least not not when it's also tied to the actual racial implications as well it just feels really isolating and again i never noticed it when i was younger it was only with this lens on and 2023 lens on at that but i go oh that's an interest i don't think it's wrong i i i'm i'm reserved to say it's not wrong but i'm it does feel a little bit icky (laughs) yes there it definitely because it's because naturally i mean when you think about like people from different places and even carmen mentions that she's like our bodies are built like we're built different like we're not like the same race like we're our bodies are different and it's interesting that like Carmen is the one that has to point out like her kind of like cultural yeah. difference from them. Yeah. It's like they're mm-hmm. they're kind of like stepping around it. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to tell her that she is like Latina and they yeah. are not, but they yeah. it's very clear that like she is different. And then in the but like the it is weird because the body aspect is like 
it's just it feels like they like kind of took like an easier route mm. of discussing the differences between them because yeah. it's like oh well she's not like super thin and white mm-hmm. but like it's they regular they rather focus on the fact that she's just not super thin yeah instead of yeah. like the racial aspect of it yeah yeah you've 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 articulated that much better than i have so i thank you for that but yeah it was it was an odd observation this time round and again it'd be interesting when they do the musical adaptation how they adopt that because uh, <laughs> I don't know they, as I as I'm thinking as you were talking then I was reminded of the Sabrina Strings book Fearing the Black Body and how fatness is related to racism and so yes. even though it's not implicitly well, no explicitly said I should say so explicitly said that you know they're white and she's Latina like they, they never say that. But through the way they treat her body is racist. I think. I think that's where I'm coming down to. I'm like, I think it is actually racist. No, I think so too. Exactly. And plus, Fearing the Black Body is one of the best oh, it's books I've ever read. Mm-hmm. I, I like have to read it like once a year because I'm like, I just need, I need to put this all, I just want it all in my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so, it's so true that they, they treat her body as if like, I do think it is kind of in a racist context mm. because it's like you can't you can't detach that like her body is different mm-hmm. like and her race is different mm-hmm. like you can't be like the w- one without the other mm. like they're both there and I think it's hard and like I don't know I think it also goes into kind of like 2005 mm. America too and just like mm. how different interracial yeah. marriages were viewed then than they are now well, that's a really good point um, I mean even still today there's like people that have issues with people that are in interracial marriages mm. but like back then like I feel like it would probably be even different especially being in the south too mm. like because you can already see like most likely I'm not gonna I don't know for sure but most likely when like Lydia and her family think of a brown person, mm-hmm. they think of their housekeeper. Yeah. They don't necessarily think of it as like a member of their family. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is very evident in how they approach her because I, and in many of the conversations that are like the interactions that she has with Lydia, they don't know how to like talk to her like that instance when she comes downstairs and she's speaking Spanish and her dad's just like no one can understand you Mm. and they're all just kind of like grinning like awkward that awkward smile where like you don't know what to say Mm. and it's very evident that they don't know how to really interact with her Mm. and I think it does come from a a race standpoint yeah for sure and and even in that like her father you know, because she is mixed race, ultimately. Her father speaks Spanish. He speaks her mother tongue and yet still refuses to back her up in that situation. Oh, God, honestly, I know they went to, like, like dad in the end. I cannot stand dad. I'm like, mate, Same. you need to absolutely buck up. You know what I'm saying? Like, do better. Do, do better, better, please. Um, but yeah, like he doesn't back up his daughter. He, you're right, and in that interaction, you've got Lydia and Krista doing the very womanly thing of cleaning up the kitchen, where Dad is like over here eating like eggs and toast or something, yep. and yeah, like just like oh my God, like these stereotypes and stereotypes. Um, but I guess like from from Karma's point of view, she is trying to show there are massive differences here. There are differences in how they treat people. There are differences in like you know what is 
you know, quote unquote, women's work? What is housework? What do they give to the housekeeper? What do they do themselves? You know, the wedding and how that's like the biggest thing in the world where all Karen wants to do is just have a relationship with her dad. Like you see all these differences. And then it, and the, the big boiling point moment is the bridesmaid dress moment where she doesn't fit into her white stepsister's dress, just like yeah. stepmom wants her to because she's built differently. Yeah, she like literally, literally in that moment doesn't fit into the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she doesn't fit into the dress physically. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes her feel as if like, she is not meant to be in this family. And I think she mentioned something in that moment, like, like just forget Carmen exists altogether yes. or something yes. like that. She does. She does. But yeah, your point there, like she just doesn't fit in. Like yeah. she just doesn't fit in. Um, Before we pivot onto like the rest of the film, I wanted to ask, we, we, we've been using air quotes to describe Carmen as plus size or as the fat character. And I guess like the big, like, and I don't mean this pun, elephant in the room, is she isn't that big at all. And that's the thing, American Ferrera has never been that big, and yet she was typecast as the quote-unquote fat Latina actress. And I I would love to hear her thoughts on that, because that must have done some wonders for the body dysmorphic mind, you know? But yeah, she is probably still unlearning that yeah, stuff today. Totally, totally. Uh, and I mean, you, you've mentioned how you really related to Carmen, even though, like, uh, I, I was going to speak for you then. Could you distinguish back then that you, she actually wasn't that big? Or did it take your 2023 unlearning diet culture brain to go, oh, actually, she really isn't that much bigger than the other girls? It definitely took my 2023 brain because mm. I definitely at the time I was like, and it makes me think back to like looking at myself at that age yeah. and thinking how like, how like fat I felt at that time, mm-hmm. like fat derogatory uh-huh. at that time. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't either. Like, I mean, I was oh, like, not very, very thin, but I was not mm-hmm. like as fat as I had like conceived in my mind. And I think this definitely, I definitely saw her because I was like, oh, she's bigger than her friends. Like, that's me. I identify yeah. with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's that, it's that simple distinguished distinguishment between she is just bigger than the other three. And therefore, yeah. I relate to being the odd one out in that in that circumstance. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm the same. I remember watching when I was younger and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, she's so much bigger than the other girls. Because that's what they're telling us. Yes. That's what they were telling Yeah, and us. that's, like, her whole, like, plot line. All, <laughs> yeah. Like, her whole storyline yeah. is based on the fact that she is different. Yeah. L- literally, literally. So, like, you know, being 10, 11, 12 years old, however old we were when we first watched this, we've just internalized going, oh, well, that's what the film's saying, so that must be true, you know? And I just think yeah. it is so... Oh, going back to breaking my heart. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to think that that is what the media considered to be big fat plus size air quotes all the way around um and and it's taken us you know 15 years or however long it's been 18 years actually to go oh babe wasn't even like that big she's just you know she absolutely is curvy i'll not take that away from her she's absolutely curvy right. um but that's it like she's got like a flat stomach you know she's got yeah. a really nice shape to her body and i appreciate that is subjective um 
but yeah, and, but how how the story treats her is like you know she's like an absolute behemoth, you know. Yeah, it is so bizarre the fact that like when I was watching this as a child, I totally bought into the fact that, like, she was the fat character, and that was kind of, like, her thing. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, because none of the other girls, Mm -hmm. like, with with the exception of Lena a little bit, Mm -hmm. none of the other girls ever really talk about, like, their bodies. Yeah, well, yeah, I do do want to get into Lena's character, because I find her progression really interesting. But yeah, you're totally right. No one else speaks about it. I think, like, you know, uh, Blake Lively's uh, Bridget mentions how she's super tall, which she is. Um, But that's it. That's kind of like, I don't think Tibby has anything body-related at all. I don't think she does either. No. And it's just interesting that, like, the fat character is the one that has, like... Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Right, so let's go into Lena then, because I think Lena's story when you juxtapose against Carmen's, is so interesting. So Lena is Alexis Bledel's character, and we understand her to be very shy, and she dresses very modestly. You know, she doesn't like to wear jeans, we understand. She doesn't like to wear, like, short skirts or dresses or strappy dresses. She very much likes to have her arms covered. Um, she likes to hide her body for whatever reason. We actually don't understand why. That's just how she's most comfortable. And the other girls mock her a little bit for this like, you know like, look at this body i just can hear bridget say look at this body um you know she does look you know she she's a very slender person alexis bladell is a very slender person so as an outsider looking in we can't understand why she wouldn't want to show off her body because her body is quote unquote the dream body for a lot of people and what are your thoughts on that why why is lena why is it important for Lena's storyline that she starts her journey hiding her body? I think it's important, one, because it, like, discusses the fact that, one, she doesn't mention, like, the full reason why she doesn't like to be, like you mentioned, she doesn't, yeah. why she doesn't keep it covered. Like, whether it were, whether it's a, like, moral issue, mm. like a religious type mm. of thing. But I found it very interesting that... In this situation, if, like, a very thin woman or, like, if just a thin woman is covering up for whatever reason, but if it is kind of, like, a morality-type thing, like, a modesty-type thing, I feel like that kind of covering up Mm -hmm. is very respected Mm -hmm. in culture. I feel like it's, I mean, in some places it's even, like, encouraged, Mm -hmm. like, you you have to cover up. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's interesting thinking about, like, how it relates to Lena in that way and the fact that like I just thought it was weird that like she spent this entire like her entire life or up till this point that we know of being very shy being very like closed off as far as like Mm -hmm. meeting guys or like doing stuff with other people and I find it very weird that she just kind of like in the middle of the movie just strips off all of her clothes and jumps in the water (laughs) Like I'm like that's just a lot of build up to just like to that. <laughs> well, yeah, she has this moment where she's standing on the pier, and she is crying because what what were her reasons? Like the Blake Blake Lively's character, like Bridget, can still like offer her her heart up um, to 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 people, even though like her her mother had killed herself several years before. Yes. Um, there's another reason she's like oh these people are so willing to open themselves up and I hide myself away 
And I again, I guess that's it. She's hiding herself away because she doesn't want to be seen. I think she's very scared of someone perceiving her, falling in love with her, and her vice versa. Very vulnerable. I appreciate that. But my God, I thought the tears were a bit dramatic. I was like, baby, come on. It's fine. You're 16. Like you were, you are good girl. You're fine. Like, and I, I get it. I, I know being a sixteen year old oh, girl literally feels like the toughest thing in the world. And part of me is like, it is, <laughs> but it, yeah, it's almost just like I think the other reason was the, the guy she was with. I think his parents had Costas. died or something. Yes, they died in a car crash, and he was in Chicago, and he had to move back to Greece. Yes. yes, and I think that's what sh- the other, like, yes. like why are these people able to be so free mm. when, like, terrible things have happened to that's them it. and, like, nothing terrible has happened to me, mm-hmm. but I, like, can't be mm-hmm. that open and I'm, it, it's just, it is weird yeah in a way because it's, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think what doesn't help Lena's storyline as well, so we never meet her parents. She's the only one who we don't see any parental figure for so so what so i guess we can't understand where this has come from so like i guess if we'd seen that her maybe her mum also dressed super modestly we'd understand it had been passed down there but because we don't have that and we just have lena going to greece because um her yaya and babu are in greece and we find out she is greek um that's kind of it and they seem really nice like yaya like like love they love her and um, obviously like a really yeah, big family and they don't necessarily seem very conservative no, either because i remember no. when she first like when she like meets costas the first mm. time and then she comes back and she like has that shirt yes or the shirt of his and her yaya washes it yes. and she's like did you meet a boy yeah like, they seem very excited they about do. it at first but rebecca he's a dunas i know he's a dunas <laughs> They're like, not a dunas. And I was like, oh my god, not a dunas. That's <laughs> like, no. The worst thing in the world. I know. It was the drama. The drama. The drama at that the moment. Drama. So yeah, she strips off into like her underwear, jumps in the water, and I don't know why, but Costa seems to understand that he's also meant to be there because he just appears. <laughs> Literally just appears. <laughs> he just appears and he's like, ah, yes, she's finally free. And then he jumps in the water and they have a bit of a thing. And then we hit like, you know, get a montage cleaning. You know, she starts wearing like strappy dresses. She um wears her hair down. Wears her hair down. She's got the jeans, she's got the trousers, she's wearing striper moped she's like putting curls in her hair and oh my god as someone who's a curly hair gal it makes me howl when they're like she's free now she's got curls in her hair <laughs> she's let go of the of the restrictions of society she's put down the straighteners <laughs> uh, i mean she looks great so she fun. looked yeah. great <laughs> She is just free and living her she l- best, like curly life. She is. She's living that, like you know, that um, like beach wavy life. And they're also the perfect curls. Oh, I mean, like they're like perfect ringlets. Yeah. And the thing is, like this is like the perfect summer romance. Um, you know, Costas clearly likes her. You know, she's getting into him. They're going out for drinks and dancing. But then the grandparents come in, and there's a whole like Romeo and Juliet issue. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. What I find interesting about this romance, though, is um, there is clearly an age difference, but they don't really distinguish how much it is. So, again, are the girls meant to be 16 or 17? So, I think in the books, yeah. they are 16. Yeah. But in the movie, I think they are 17. I think they're about to go into their senior year of high school. And that would make them 17. 
Yeah. Right, because I wrote down that they were 16, and then, but then you have that really obvious scene with Bridget and, um, what's his face, yeah. the football coach, and she says that she's 17, and I did, I thought she might be lying. Oh. Because it makes her look older. Because I, know, mm-hmm. I don't know whether, I actually probably should Google it quickly, like how old are these girls meant to be, because... Um, again, that adds even more ickiness to the Bridget storyline, which, um, what's it called? The Sisterhood of the Thousand Pants, we're literally talking I'm about. excited to get into the, to talk about the Bridget storyline. The Bridget storyline. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Um, right, how old are you meant to be? Ah, yes, yes, Google. In the movie, the girls begin the summer at 16, as in the book, but Bridget lies about her age to the coach, saying she is 17. I the drama. It. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. When she said it, I was like, I'm sure she's like, I don't know. They must have said something at the beginning that they were 16. And then I, I obviously registered it. Oh, we can, oh, we can talk about whether or not he's committed a felony. Of, <laughs> I know. That just adds in another level of ick. I, like literally the, I wrote down like so many parts. I was like the, the, um, it's, What's her name? Bridget and Eric. And his name's Eric. Eric. Bridget Eric, and Eric. Prince I was like, Eric. their dynamic mm. is just... Oh, it's grim. But I just remember being that age, like, watching oh. it as, like, a kid and thinking yeah. he was so hot. Yeah. Being like, no. oh, yeah, of course she wants I, I, to get with him. I'm going to pause you because I just want to finish on the Lena thing, but we will get into it because, again, I want to hear everything I have to say because <laughs> it's going to be so good. Um, Go back to Lena. I wanted to pose to you because I think it's interesting that her, her rebellion, her coming of age is her stripping off her clothes and showing her body. What, what if we'd switch that storyline to Carmen and her big coming of age moment was that she stripped off her into her underwear? And jumped in the sea. How how do you think that would play differently to have like a plus size character in that role there? I think like especially just looking at it in the context of two thousand and five, that would not have flown. That would have been more of the like. I just, I just feel like it would have ended up being a bit rather than being this kind of like. Um, breakthrough emotional experience like it was for Lena I feel like if we replaced it with a plus-size person in in 2005 I feel like Mm -hmm. it would have been like this is like has to be like some kind of funny somehow like how are they making this kind of a joke you're so so right because I don't know I don't know if this ever crossed the Atlantic Ocean to the States but have you ever heard of the show The Inbetweeners yes okay perfect okay great i was not expecting you to say yes okay so there is a film have you seen the movie i have not okay i I, very british and i i appreciate that this the the comedy might not transcend but in in the storyline so the four boys they've gone to like um malaga or magaluf one of these like uh, lads holiday places and um they've all kind of met a woman and they're trying to woo and ultimately trying to have sex and one of the characters jay he his designated woman is a bigger gal um you know maybe um like a size 14 us and uh there's a moment where they're all going to strip off into their underwear and run into the sea together and she does it because she's really confident that's like part of her personality she's like super confident and you know she's she's honestly stunning 
and you know strips off into her underwear and he gets really cagey because he's not comfortable seeing a bigger woman in her underwear and then these like other lads kind of walk behind her and are shouting like you know things like whale and stuff like that at her but she doesn't mind because she's like i'm gonna go in the water but he's the one who cares because other people are judging him for finding that attractive and so when mm-hmm. you were talking there about make you know if we put carmen into lena role for this you know underwear jumping in the water moment I think you're right, especially if this is 2005. I think the Inbetweeners movie came out like 2011, 2012. So you're right. They would have a hundred have used it for laughs. I can imagine now, you know, Carmen like stripping off a doorway and then like maybe like awkwardly falling into the sea, not like an elegant dive. Yes. So no, yeah. literally, it's something like just like falls in. Yeah, yeah. falls in yeah. like like a fool um, because all fat people are clumsy, right? I mean, saying that, Rebecca, right. I am super clumsy. So. <laughs> That's true. No, same. <laughs> That trope works, but <laughs> but it's not all of us. Hashtag not all yeah. fat people. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I think your point stands. I think unfortunately the nuance and the kind of romanticism of the moment for Lena wouldn't track if it was a plus size character in that role. I agree, and I think that in once again, back in like the 2005 context, I don't mm-hmm. think the audience would have related as much to it have been Carmen. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have gotten as much reception had it have been like a plus size person in mm-hmm. like, if if a plus size person was in Lena's role, I don't think that, I don't think that wrote, like you said, that romanticization, like romanticization of like that experience mm-hmm. would transfer over mm-hmm. for a plus size character. I think a lot of, people that are plus size would have seen it and related to it but I think in like people who weren't wouldn't have been able to mm-hmm. yeah uh, I 100% agree so let's move to Bridget so Bridget Blake Lively in one of her first roles it must be yes is this it, is like pre nose job I know. <laughs> literally what I was thinking I was like it's subtle but it's obvious um yeah yeah, so she um, is a really interesting character because she's definitely the most confident of the group, um, but her mother had committed suicide several years before. And again, as a kid, Rebecca, I never clocked that. I never caught that either as yeah. a kid. I did not. I assume she passed. did not catch that until I was watching yeah. it this time. I was like, but then like watching it this time, it's so obvious that like that, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, because like the the pastor or whoever that is talking says something like i don't know how like what could bring someone to mm-hmm. commit such an act yeah, or something and like I was a like, mother yeah it's like the victim yeah, and i was like, oh I was like gosh <laughs> this is shaming i know right i was like oh my god but then it clicked i was like oh yeah. my gosh <laughs> yeah i know this is a kids <laughs> film i was like oh my god this is so heavy um i know we're like t- we're like one minute in <laughs> We just get to know these gals and all of a sudden oh my god so yeah you're totally right um it is it is jarring actually watching it now and she is uh going to mexico to like a like a football or a soccer summer camp <laughs> um and you know we already understand before when they kind of like do the little seance that you know she's jealous that the others might see boys but she's going to like an all girls camp and we understand really quickly that you know she's definitely the flirtatious one of the group she yeah. likes the boys and so she gets to summer camp and she clocks as you point out eric who's one of yes. the coaches, assistant coaches, or whoever, whoever. Um, uh, yeah, she, like, lusts after him straight away. Um, watching this film, Rebecca, I was brought back to, like, 13-year-old me who 
I felt like I always had to be trying to get boys' attention. And mm-hmm. and I realized it's because of this film. Like, some of the things that Bridget does in this film, I've 100% mimicked. And I think it's really interesting because that's... I, I personally don't think that's very good representation. I'd, I I would agree because it... We'll we'll discuss, yeah. but there there's some levels, different levels of ick, yeah. like, and also different levels of like, like internalization. Like, is this okay? Like, is this actually okay to do? And I think you're hitting the nail on the head here because coming away from it now, I understand what the motivation of the film is trying to say, but it is so <laughs> subtle and so implicit. That 13-year-old Hannah did not pick up on it. And therefore, I didn't realize... Oh, anyway, let's just get into it. So, yeah, so she starts flirting with Eric. You know, we, she, 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 she lies and says that she's 17. Because, obviously, this guy... I mean, I don't know. I can't put an age on him. You'll, you'll be able to help me. Because we know he's at uni. We know he's at Columbia. We yes. don't know what year. But I right. would have yes. guessed maybe 20 or 21. Oh, he's drinking. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So he has to at least be 20. Well, oh, Mexico, if they're though. in Mexico, 18, right? that's true. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So, so okay. 20 or 21 is what I had, what yeah. I had pegged for him. 20 or 21. Um, and she goes out of her way to flirt with him. You know, uh, she's trying to impress him on, on the football pitch and she's very selfish in that sense. You get, you get, um, you know, the coach say you've got to pass the ball uh, if you've seen Ted Lasso, it's very reminiscent of Ted Lasso. <laughs> you know, you got to share, you got to be part of the team. Um, and and she gets very frustrated because, you know, she is the star. She is the star. Even like, yeah. you know, the little celebrations they do for the goals, it's yes. all about her. You know, they're, they're like paparazzi taking her picture. Yeah, or they like bow down to her. They're like, we're not worthy. We're not, oh my God. Yeah, oh my God. It's so cringe. First of all, don't do that. Don't do that to your friends. Like that. Don't do that. That's put a sixteen-year-old girl does not need this. The ego, baby. <laughs> so I'm like, I get it. Like Blake Lively is beautiful. Stunning, stunning. She is, and she's obviously talented. Everything. Like she's obviously she is yeah. obviously the superstar. I don't think she did a great job. Yeah, yeah. In this she's, movie, I thought she did a great no, job for sure. She's fantastic, and and the thing is, I think I think Bridget is my least likable character to me. Um, but mm-hmm. I also think she isn't meant to be very likable. Um, again, I agree. Maybe on like a rewatch and being a bit older, I re- recognize that more. But I remember not liking her as much as the others because I just thought she was so arrogant, right? But I also mm-hmm. wanted to be her. It's that, it's that thing looking mean girls. Like you're meant to hate Regina George, but you also want to be <laughs> Regina George. And maybe it's the same here right. with Bridget. Yeah. No, I agree with that too. I think she was always the character I related to the least. Mm-hmm. Um, Mainly because I, I never understood the like fascination she had with running. That was I was always like, what is? <laughs> like, the, she talks about like the runners high, and I was yeah. like, I was always like, what? Mm. But um, I remember like kind of experiencing the same thing. Like she does come off as like the like very arrogant part of like the mm-hmm. friend group kind yeah. of. Yeah, I, I do think that the reason she, I would agree in saying that she's probably my like least favorite of the girl of the four because. Mm. One, she is the one I least connect to. And also just growing up, I had a very different kind of like outlook on like how to get male attention, like attention from boys. Like it was more so, 
I feel like I related a little bit more to Lena in a way where I was mm-hmm. like, just don't perceive me. I was like, just don't, mm. because I've had those experiences where people like have been like completely just ruthless about like the size of my body and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so it became one of those things where I was just like, all right, we're good. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to put like put a big sheet over myself mm. so that like I can't be seen. And I think seeing someone, um, be so like comfortable in their like sexuality as a teenager if you can even say that Mm. but like it's just weird because at that time at in my life I was not like that at all Mm. and I think that's why I don't really relate to her as much yeah I I totally understand that um I think from my experiences I because even though I've always been a bigger kid um my like boobs hips and ass came in like like with force and I think like I had like the biggest boobs like in my year and that was like really overly sexualized so I realized again at the age of 13 14 15 like that's what I had to offer like um and this is like really quite sad looking back on it but you know we're 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 children you know (laughs) you know you kind of take what you other people perceive of you as fact um, before yeah. you because you don't, haven't developed your own sense of self yet and I remember thinking like okay well that's the thing like you know I've got like boobs and I've got like a nice arse I'll run with that so for me when I was looking at um Bridget I was like well this is what I need to be doing because like again like I've said it on this podcast so many times Rebecca I was a horny kid I was such a horny kid and I was just like yeah I want <laughs> I want all the boys all the time please so <laughs> So I, so I, I think I took Bridget to be like, well, that's what I need to do in order to succeed. So, yeah. so like the act of when, you know, she like takes her hair down and wishes it around. I'm like, I would, I a hundred percent did that at pool parties. Um, I, you know, she, <laughs> she throws water on herself after one of the matches. Okay. I don't think I went that far. I really, really don't think I went that far, but I mean, I cringed, I cringed for her. Um, Same. I was like. It, it it really gives again to quote to quote Mean Girls again. It gives baby prostitute. It gives like yes. you know she doesn't really know what she's doing, um. And then you know they're talking in like the the mess hall, and uh, he she overhears Eric saying that they're going to like the cantina on Saturday, which is like the local bar, mm-hmm. and she has convinced herself that that. <laughs> He has said that loud enough for her to hear, so she needs to act on it. And, like, her friends, I mean, first of all, they had a hard gig being friends with Bridget, but also they should have tried harder. <laughs> to be like... They were, they were like, uh... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're like, really? Are you, are you sure? I'm like, no. Like, she's in a, absolutely delusional. Um, And then she yeah. goes and... I found this really interesting. You know, she taps on Eric's shoulder. He's surprised to see her and they dance. But there's another coach at that table having a drink yes. and he doesn't say anything, Rebecca, which really yes. creeped me out. No, I thought that exact same thing. He even like, like, he even like kind of like smiles yeah, like, or like kind of like, like a bit of a nod. Yeah, like, like it's on this, it felt like the subtext was like, oh, well, you know, like, I mean, she's cute, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, like, it doesn't matter, like, mm-hmm. like, we're, we're, like, her parents aren't here, like, that type of thing, mm-hmm. like, it just gave, like, right. a really weird, like, like, I don't know, it was just, yeah, because I was like, why did, why is this dude not being, like, um, 
she is not of age. And also, like, can't couldn't he have, like, looked at her form? Yeah. Like, didn't they have to, like, fill out a form Surely. to see what her birthday, birthday was? And also, like, you know, position of power. Like, you yes. are her teacher this summer, man. Like, she should be coming to and you. And he says... Go on. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, I was saying, he says something about, like, when they first... Like one of the first times that they talk, mm. they um, she he's like she's like, what have you heard of me? Mm. And like he like tells her that like he's heard that like their her high school like won the soccer championship or like it's Nash states or something. And I was just thinking like how affirming that would feel from like an older man as like a young girl to hear someone like to th- they know about you, like That's and I can just see that point. that kind of like put that in her head yeah. that like oh like he knows like he's thinking about he's me. He's read up on me. Yeah. He's clocked me before like I clocked him. You're totally that is such such a valid point, and which again he he they do try to portray his character to be um pushing back, but you know he still ultimately yes. dances with her, um, and then he like gives up he gives up and he walks away because he realizes this is icky. And then there's a moment where she meets him at the beach that they keep running at and um, she tells him, like, you know, the stuff, like, um, that her school counsellor said after her mum died. And, then, you know, they're holding hands or, like, just, like, you know, kind of, like, grazing fingers. And then she goes, I've never told anyone that before. And I literally went, whoa. Like, oh, God, yeah. Bridget. Tell your friends that. Don't tell this 21-year-old man that. Literally just... You know, you have three other friends. Literally. The the, the sisterhood of the traveling pants. <laughs> the sisterhood. Come on. I'm like <laughs> Honestly. But then she gets the tr- she gets the jeans back, right? She gets the jeans back. She realizes this is the night. And she oh my god, she puts this incredibly bright bra and then yes. with a shirt over the top, but it's not fastened, so you can still see the bra. And all I'm thinking is like, you're 16, you're 16, you're 16. And then she's yep. got the jeans, and then she saunters past his bedroom window, and he just so happens to be up and see her walk by. Yes. He just like sits up, and I'm like, Bet. Skip. Are you just waiting? Just get back down. Lie back down. You saw nothing. Like, you saw, yeah, exactly. You saw nothing. nothing. Lay back, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. <laughs> And then, you know, he meets her at the beach. And then, like, I, I swear they don't even have any words past. They just start making out. And then it's insinuated that they've had sex on the beach. And poor Bridget crawls into bed. And she does not look fulfilled. And then we realize over the next, I don't know, 10 minutes that, you know, she's been wanting to have sex for however long. You know, she wants to fill this hole that she feels inside of her. And um, this didn't do it. You know, she doesn't feel, she feels emptier, if anything. Um, She's super depressed. She gets back home. Uh, Carmen and Tibby come round. They talk about it. And then the next day, the jeans arrive. Or the jeans, they've got the jeans. And Maggie the dog runs away with the jeans. And so, uh, what's her name? Bridget chases after her, after the dog. And so happens to run into Eric, who just happens to be walking around this really nice neighborhood. Right? Literally. And, and he's like, and he, oh my god, what he was wearing was so been naughty, it made me a bit sick. <laughs> the shirt! Yes. Why did all boys and men wear those shirts? Was there nothing I else to wear? It was a, it is a fashion crime, for sure. <laughs> crime. And she's in her, like, satin jammies. 
I know. Like, just like little, like, Sophie shorts. And I was like... I can't. I can't. And then he, no. he turns out, he's like, he was stopping by on his way back to Colombia. She goes, this is a, a long way around. And I was like, cool. And then he's like, oh, I just wanted to like apologize for that night. And she said, I wasn't telling you to slow down. And then he ends this conversation with some of the ickiest words I've ever heard, which was, <laughs> when you're 20 years old and a superstar, give me a shot. So how old yeah, would he be? I, like 25, 26? Yeah. That's disgusting. I I wrote that down. I literally wrote the uh, when you're 20 line gave me the ick. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, no. Like, no. You know what? That's not the compliment you think it is. It's but it's also like, for me, I'm, I'm just like... They are trying to apologize for his behavior by calling it like a moment of weakness. And I was mm-hmm. like, but he is the adult in this situation. I mean, he's not the biggest adult by any means. You know, he is clearly a you know university student. He's like 20, 21 years old. But she is literally 16. He has all mm-hmm. the power. And she's he is acting out. And she is also confirming that by being like, you know, she was just so irresistible. She, he couldn't yeah. say no. Yeah, and in some ways too, he's like... Like, like with that position of power, like he's like in a position of authority over her in a way that like is really icky when you bring in that kind of like aspect. It's not like, you know, she's actually 17 and he's like 18. No. You know, like no. it's not like they've been dating like since hi- like since they were in high school. And it's like you were supposed to be like this person's like instructor or like their like teacher their caretaker during this time like you're not supposed to be like being intimate with your students basically which is what they are in that context to him like his like coach or coaches i've just realized is the reason why this storyline is set in mexico is to avoid the age of consent laws in america i had not even thought about that i literally just googled it because I think, like, in the States, it can it can vary between 16, 17, and 18. But Mexico yes. is complex. It's it's not clear, like, how, what they could be. Um, It's legally ambiguous. Literally, Wikipedia says it's legally ambiguous. And that's how, that's how, they've, that's how they've got around it. That, ha- that has to be. They, th- There's- they thought about it. Oh, that's so cringe. That makes the ick like ten times worse oh. because they were like, "Oh, well, we've got to like put her in a different country because you know if this happened in the United States, He'd be in it would be statutory like yep. rape." Oh, that's foul, isn't it? I'm like, <laughs> my mouth, my like, like my mouth just dropped at the like realization of that. I, I li- because there is, I literally as you were talking, I just suddenly went hold the phone is 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 it that like insidious that they've gone to that level of like thought behind it oh grim grim so i i I think like we kind of danced around it a little bit but like i just want to like make it really clear my upset and the ickiness around this part of of the film is because it really isn't explicit that this is bad Right. And, and and you're encouraged as a young girl to also lust after Eric. Yes. Yes. I think that is very, very, very true. And it's also that kind of 
like internalization of the message that like young younger girls are supposed to like lust after older guys. Mm -hmm. Like we're supposed to want like, or she mentioned something too, that he's like in a letter, she's like, he's 100% unattainable. And I think that kind of is another aspect into it too, that like that, attraction is that she's not supposed to have him Mm -hmm. and she knows that Mm -hmm. like she knows that they're not supposed to be together because she mentions that like he's her coach he's her Mm -hmm. like boss technically I guess probably Mm -hmm. but like it it's just now I'm just thinking about like the fact that they had to like definitely go around it like the ick is just so yeah because it's like it is that kind of thing where they like you said don't outright be like they're not outright like this is not what you're supposed to be doing and like it's clear that he like feels some type of way about it like he like because he's not like right off being like okay let's go like let's go off and bang you know but Mm -hmm. like he's definitely struggling with some type of internalization and then like gives in and I'm just like Mm -hmm. and then it really is I feel like in the whole movie you kind of see his struggle with it Mm -hmm. Like, with the fact that she's younger than him and he is attracted to her or whatever. But it is really weird at the end when he brings up that, like, when you're 20 line. And it's like, dude, you were not, like, you were feeling bad because, like, society makes you feel bad about it. Like, you were not actually, like, really feeling some type of way about it. It's like when, um, you know, when you, I mean, I don't know if you have heard, I don't know if it's transcended into the states but like the russell brand sexual allegations that have happened over the past yes. few weeks um it's really big news here um uh, because he is like relatively famous um i have real issues with him constantly keep calling him an a-lister and like he's not a fucking a-lister stop talk- talking anyway um <laughs> i have my own thoughts but uh one of one of the um allegations was that he was in a relationship with the 16 year old when he was 30 and you have a lot of the like apologists online saying, well, the age of consent is 16 in the UK, so that's legal. And it's like, if you need a law to tell you the youngest you could you could go like legally means that you would go younger if the law wasn't there. Literally. Yeah. Like that law is there because like 16 year olds have sex with other 16 year olds. Literally. Like, this is not giving a 40-year-old permission to date a 16-year-old. No, not at all. Not at all. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying that 21 is the, is the same as, like, 30, like, you know, having sex right. with 16 yeah. But, like, there's also, like, it's it's such an abuse of power. And, like you say, that last line he says means that he he and the film are, like, that was gross. Um, but not gross enough for me to never speak to you again and like just let you live your life. Yeah. I'm gonna. I want you to still remember me in four years, so you can give me another shot. And it's like, dude, that's gross. That is gross because you find her attractive now, like, and you just think, yeah, like you see, society is like you shouldn't really go out with a 16 year old, and it's just it's so disingenuous. Like his motivation is so disingenuous. Yes. And I hate how the film paints as this like cute little like romantic line at the end, like "Don't forget about me." And it's not, it's not that clean. It's really icky. <laughs> yes, no, it does not hit the way that he thinks it is, uh-huh. or like the way that the the writers think that it was hitting, because yeah. it is not the compliment that. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's not the compliment that like Bridget needed. I think yeah. she needed something else 
like I think a lot of this also has to do like one with her relationship with her um mom and like how yeah. like that happened but also that has a lot to do with her relationship with her dad oh, her like, she dad. doesn't really her relationship with her dad is just kind of like he just pays for her stuff yeah they don't really have that kind of connection no. and I think that's the kind of fulfillment she was looking for yes, agreed. through this. Agreed. And actually, now you've said that, I've just realised the dads do not do well in this film. This is like a really anti-dad film. Yeah, this is not a dad positive movie. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it really isn't. These just like shape up and like, you know, fucking be adults. Like, you uh, need to do better. <laughs> just do better. Like, you know, as simple as that. Just be a better person. Like, actually show your emotions. That would be really healthy. Thank you so much. um okay moving on i have a couple questions left so we again we've already touched on it but uh did you and when did you cry (laughs) (laughs) yes and yes (laughs) um so yes i did cry um the first time i actually when i when we first started watching it the first part that got me was um that i started like teared up a little bit was when um Carmen's dad leaves for the first time, oh, yeah. and she's on the phone oh, with um, Lena. Oh, that's Lena. Sorry, it's Lena. It... Yeah, you are right. I, I know. I get the I get the young one. The young girls confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, and that part made me tear up for sure. Um, and same with kind of the like just kind of Carmen's whole like through line. I kind of like get teary eyed yeah. at different parts with her. Um, and then the um. I actually wrote wrote down some of the moment the um the moment with uh Bailey and Tibby. Oh god. Their their storyline, I mean, just rips my heart to shreds. Absolutely breaks my heart. As it did when I was twelve. Yeah, yeah I remember having that, you know, that really intense like um you know, frog and throw when I was young because I didn't yes. want to cry, but I was just so upset. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I I definitely think that um the the um, character of Bailey definitely mm. struck me more this viewing mm. than it did, I think, as a child. I think being younger, like, it just kind of made me sad more than anything. But I think in this viewing, it was really, like, you really understand, like, the kind of wisdom that this child has. Please, yeah. And, like, the, that the impact just, she has on others. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that, like, you know, meeting her, like for Tibby has definitely like changed Tibby's life for sure. Yes. And yeah. it's just so she she said something uh, Bailey says something. I didn't write down the whole line, but like her little monologue when she like recorded herself yes, for Tibby. In the jeans. She says some Yes. She says something like, Maybe there's a little bit of loser in all mm. of us. Being happy isn't always ha- isn't having everything in your life be perfect. And then she talks about how like it's stringing along like all the little things yeah. like winning a level in dragon's lair yeah. or like doing stuff like that yeah. and i'm like how beautiful is it that like you get that kind of wisdom from a child like very close to mm-hmm. like very very much aware that she is like going to pass away soon yeah and just having that impact like on tibby like it just mm-hmm. that was very i don't know that one, that one, that was what really hit me too was that mm-hmm. their kind of friendship just because I love Tibby's character Mm -hmm. I think she's so funny and I think she's very much I relate to her I I wrote down that I relate to Carmen and Tibby the most Mm -hmm. like I feel like I'm a combo of the two Mm. and the way that she handles that like whole situation with such like 
this kind of like sweetness that we don't necessarily see from her because she's like the rebel. She's like the tough one. And I think it's a really just an, I don't know. I really enjoyed that part, like rewatching it again. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I know we haven't spoken a lot about Tilly because I guess from the scope of the podcast, but um, I think it's a really good storyline, actually. I, I think when I was younger, I didn't like it as much because it's not away. It's not like they've gone to Greece or Mexico, something exciting. And it's not about romance. Right. It's it's something a lot more um, softer. But this time through, I actually really appreciated the kind of like mumblecore of it. Like, you know, they're doing this documentary at the Wallmans and it's very Clerks. It's very good girl. It's, it's, it's it just something so sweet and innocent about it. And you know, this little girl just wants to live, live as much of a life as possible before she goes. And I think it's really telling that she doesn't tell Tibby what mm-hmm. is going on and she, you know, she finds out their own. And I think as well from Amber Tamblin, her performance is so quiet and subtle. Um, you know, if you compare her to America Ferreira, who I, I'm not taking away, like it's just very different, but you know, she is mm-hmm. crying and shouting and she's so headstrong and stubborn where Amber's performance is so insular and she just goes so quiet yes. and into herself. And I think it was just such a, it was such a good direction for that character. Um, and, you know, that, this, oh God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> the scene where like she's up waiting for the phone call and you just hear the mum answer and say, I'll let her know. And she knows what that is. Breaks yeah. my heart. And again, like, it's just, it's just a you know a sappy little film but that moment even all these years later really does get to me and I love the Tibby and I love even like when they're in the car going to um the wedding and you know like oh like you know it it has your like you know succumentary coming along like what are you going to call it and she just goes hmm Bailey and I'm just like oh (laughs) no I mean, yeah, it's just and it's like cue the sobbing I'm literally like, right. literally I, it's just so emotional so yeah I do love the Tibby storyline I think it's so well executed um Agreed. and then I I I cry at the Carmen one all the way through I think it, it's so emotional um I again I think I think Carmen as is probably my favorite character I probably am also a mix of the, of uh, uh, Carmen and Tibby like I can be really stubborn like Carmen and I really relate to like mm-hmm. her anger as well but I think Tibby's rebellion and kind of like just wanting to be her own island is something I can relate to as well. Um, Same. I also cried at Lena. <laughs> <laughs> so I cried. I cried when um, she asks her papu for her shot. And then when she says to Costas that she loves him, I just, it really got to me. And I was like, oh Lena I'm like you know what like we've got like no summer romance it was just so nice um the only one I didn't cry at was uh Bridget because I'm more angry at the end of that story than sad I'm furious I'm like oh that was gross yes yeah Yeah, agreed there was one little moment um between um Lena's grandparents that was that like you know what I'm talking about, where they're, like, hanging stuff, she's, like, hanging, like, squid or something, and he's, like, doing stuff with, like, green beans, and he just, like, rubs her yaya's back, and then just, like, kisses her shoulder, and I was, like, that is just, and, like, Lena's just watching that, and, like, just seeing how, like, like, pure that is, like, how, and I, like, it's giving me, like, goosebumps talking about it, because I'm just, like, this is so, like, it's just so sweet, and it was just such a, a cute little moment to include in the film, like, they didn't need to have that there, but, like, it was so cute, and so, like, 
I feel so important to Lena to see that because I gave, I think it gave her that kind of encouragement to be like, I could have that too. You know, like this isn't unattainable for me. A hundred percent. She needed to see it. Again, representation matters. She needed to see it. Um, Okay. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up with Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Yes, actually. (laughs) Not really necessary, the the storyline, but I just wanted to just take a moment to talk about how like 2000s like coming of age movies like this had the best soundtracks oh my god i lost my shit when i heard natasha benningfield i was so excited when she's running on the beach and i think it was it's unwritten and i was just like oh my god i love this album so much oh yes yes 100 percent agree i literally i wrote down i was like songs in 2000s movies truly were bangers i was like they really just like knew how to create because that was back when like you know they I, I know they do it now but they created like actual like cd albums of like soundtracks yeah and i was obsessed yeah. with that kind of stuff uh-huh. but i remember like just thinking about like oh i bet this this soundtrack was awesome like this cd yeah. was awesome yeah, yeah, it was. It that was, was probably my last. No, it's a fantastic point to make. You're absolutely right, and also <laughs> like music, pop music in the noughties was just a next level. It was next level. We we it, it really was. We took it for granted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so Rebecca, at the end of a facts on film episode, we like to rate our films based on how well we believe they represent fat bodies, and we like to rate them out of ourselves. So out of a five potential Rebecca's, what would you give the Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants for fat representation? I'd say for for fat representation for Rebecca, I would give it like a 3.5 Rebecca's. Okay, would you like to explain your rating? Yes. <laughs> so this movie definitely... I wrote down earlier, when I was taking my notes as I was watching it, I was like, this movie didn't necessarily make me feel better about being fat, Mm -hmm. but it definitely made me feel seen as, like, Mm -hmm. a person in a bigger body. Mm -hmm. And I think the impact that Carmen's character had on me as a person was very, like, formidable in the fact that, like, I still think about her character like I mean I played tennis because Carmen played tennis yeah. Carmen's room was bright pink mm. as a tr- as, like her room growing up was bright pink mm-hmm. my room was hot pink growing up Love. and I and just like I just felt very connected to that character and it made mm. me feel seen as a person that is not nor has ever been like a size two or a zero mm. and it's, it was very interesting but then I also think it still like I said didn't make me feel better about being fat so I was like torn between like the three and the four like three three point five somewhere there um just because like we were talking about earlier too like we do see Mm -hmm. her like being active like being sporty being Mm -hmm. doing all of the stuff and we see her standing up for herself yes towards those like people who like at the bridal shop and stuff like that but then it's also like a little bit of the like ick is that like why was this a part of the conversation anyway you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thank you for that um i i think if before i spoke to you about this i would have given it a one um because one hannah just because carwin isn't fat but speaking to you and hearing you know your experiences and also just kind of like delving into it on on a level that I haven't been able to before because how often do we get to have these conversations I am going to bump that up to about a two and a half um I think you're right there even though 
I stand by the fact that America Ferreira is not a fat person, but yes. her character is meant to be, and her how she is portrayed is, I think, on the whole, relatively positive. Like you say, she's active, mm-hmm. she is, um, you know, smart, she's well-spoken, she's confident, she's, you know, stubborn to a certain degree, and I mean that in a positive way. Um, you know, she has got very, very good qualities, and I really love her standing up for herself in the bridal shop scene, um, because she's telling, you know, telling them what time it is. I also really appreciate that she doesn't try to make herself smaller, you know? Yes. As much as she... This, it talks disparagingly about herself that is actually only for the like first 15 minutes and it doesn't mm-hmm. really rear its head again that that negative self-talk she was doing um it's other people who make it an issue and she then defends herself and that's yes. really positive and um yeah like i think it's really important that she doesn't you know try to like slim down like i, I mean every like you know, pull, pull a film off the shelf and you're going to have a fat character in there who's trying to lose weight, you know? That is such yeah. a common storyline for bigger characters. And I'm really appreciating this one that is not part of her story. And yes. uh, I also even really like um, the fact that... I mean, I know it's part of the magic of the jeans, but the fact that the jeans do fit and they don't fit in, like, you know, in a horrible way, that they actually fit perfectly and she does look good in them. Again, yeah. there are films where they try to tell us, this looks good for this plus-size person, but it actually doesn't. You just know it would look good on a thin person and that's what they're trying to get at. Um, I actually appreciate, like, her fashion is cool. The tennis outfit's mm-hmm. good. You know, the wardrobe department did the work. They make her look really good. Um, right. So, yeah. And she doesn't look like she doesn't belong with, like, the friend group. Like, she doesn't look, not like, frumpy or, like, no. wearing, like, she's not wearing khakis. Like, she's, no. like, she looks good. She do- you, Exactly that. She actually looks part of this friendship group. So, I think, I came into this fully ready to go, I think it's a one. And I'm coming away going, I actually think it's a two and a half Annas. So, there you go. Power of conversation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the sisterhood. The sisterhood. Uh, thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining on this podcast. It's been an absolute blast getting to talk to you about this. I Honestly, I really enjoyed this film. I really enjoyed it. It's problematic. <laughs> it's problematic. It's problematic. It gave me a little bit of the ick, but I, I had fun while, like, I had fun going yeah. through it. I really, really did. I had a really good time watching it, and I didn't expect to like it as much as I did on this rewatch, but I, I really do. And I think I'm going to have to watch the sequel, because I need to, I want to know what happens. No, you have to watch, you have to watch the sequel. I, so I believe okay. that there's, like, four or five books, but I oh only God. think there's the two movies. But yeah. the sequel is actually, is good, too. It's different. I'm, I'd be curious to see what you think about the sequel. Okay. Okay. Maybe we get a little bonus episode about the sequel. <laughs> I will message you and let you know my my thoughts um oh like it's been it's been so good speaking to you Rebecca I really really enjoyed it um can you please let me and the listeners know where they can find more of you and your work yes um first I want to say this has been so much fun you are so fun to talk to and I I love having these conversations and I think that they're so important I love your podcast and all Mm. that you do oh thank Um, you a way to find me is I am on Instagram and TikTok as uh at recovery Rebecca um and I also um I have my like email and stuff like that for Mm -hmm. like business and stuff but that you can find that on my um Instagram as well 
perfect well the links to your socials will be in the show notes below and the listeners can find the podcast at fats on film on instagram and twitter and myself at queen b says on instagram twitter and tiktok thank you so much for listening everyone and we'll see you at the next one and remember to stay fat (laughs) 